Hey everybody, we have a new sponsor and a special deal for our listeners of Karen Isn't Always Right. If you have any photos or documents that you need to scan, or videotapes, audio tapes, or film reels that you need to import, you should check out avgearguy.com. If you mention the name, Karen Isn't Always Right, when you order, you're going to get 5% off and a portion of your order is going to help support the podcast, Karen Isn't Always Right. All of those formats degrade over time and are sitting ducks in the case of fire or theft. Why not convert it all to digital? All your memories can be stored safely on the cloud or even a hard drive that fits in your pocket. AV Gear Guy has over 30 years of experience with all kinds of media and they can accept orders from anywhere in the U.S. Don't forget to mention the name of Karen Isn't Always Right and get 5% off. For more details and to book, visit their website at avgearguy.com. That's avgearguy.com. Hey everybody, it's Christopher with Karen Isn't Always Right. My guest today is Heather. Today she takes us through how she got her first job at a theater and worked her way up to being a senior manager at a theater in the Chicago area. Heather is one of the most dedicated people I've ever come to know. Also, I figured if I could convince her to let me marry her best friend, I could convince her to come on the show. I enjoyed our conversation and I hope you do as well. So let's get this going. Here's Heather. Hey. How's it going? It's going. How's it going for you? I'm doing all right, you know, in these crazy-ass times. Yes, crazy indeed. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome to Karen Isn't Always Right. I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. You bet. Why don't you tell everybody how we know each other? Yeah, so <laughs> you are the husband of my best friend. Yay. Very Yay. honored. <laughs> uh, I met Ashley when I worked at the movie theater, um, and we had become close. Uh, and then, obviously, girl meets boy, and the rest is history. Yeah, and we're married because you signed off on it, so I got, oh, of I got course. permission had to had to check all the boxes that's right i appreciate that (laughs) glad i made a good impression (laughs) so you did you did so you you guys met working in a movie theater where uh where did you guys like live where did you grow up uh so i grew up in illinois okay um i originally was born um in elgin and then moved out to a a little old town called plainfield so it was a bit of a, a culture shock. Um, it, it, it was all cornfields. So, and I was just entering middle school. So interesting uh, time in my life to have moved. Yeah. Also, when I was going to school, sixth grade was still elementary. So yeah. I had come out where my seventh grade was my first year of middle school, but not for everyone else. Same for me. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was uh, interesting. But, so it was middle yeah. school seventh, eighth, ninth, or just seven and eight? Six, seven, eight. Six, seven, eight. Okay. Yeah. Mine, it was just seven, eight. It was kind of weird. And so, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, I think that's common, which is why it was weird for me because, or no. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. I don't know how they do it. Everywhere's different. Whatever. And then there was junior (laughs) high, like literally right before I, I mean, I don't know why they changed the name. It's all semantics to me, but whatever. Okay. Everyone's trying to be unique. So Plainfield. Yeah, so was out there doing my thing, um, and during school, I got really passionate about theater and acting. I mm-hmm. uh, was convinced that that's the direction my life was going. Um, during middle school, I actually went to a, a school in Chicago for a while uh, for that, so then entered that in college and sort of transferred it 
career-wise as well, that's how I ended up at the movie theater, you know, was just trying to kind of mesh those worlds together. Nice. I, I also wanted to be an actor. When I got into high school, I uh, had to take an art class and I'm not artistic. And so I was like, <laughs> all right, I'll just take acting. Figured it'll be an easy A or whatever. And, uh, and I was a dork anyway and, and got made fun of all the time. I had no self-confidence and it actually helped me gain some confidence and be able to put myself out there stuff like that. So I did a bunch of plays. And then I went into college thinking the same thing. It's very political. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't work out, obviously, acting. So I ended up on the, the exhibitor side. Right, right. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. You, it's so interesting how you are so, see such a clear direction for yourself. And you just never seem to get there. It's, right. you always veer off depending on what door opens. I think it's hard at that age, too to know what the path is, you know, mm -hmm. like I was just talking to Ashley recently about, um, I've been watching this show on, on TV called Ballers and it's about this, uh, agent. He's a, uh, NFL agent. And like, that's a, that's something that I thought could have been cool, but I never would have known the path to either becoming an agent or, or like a GM of a pro football team or, or anything. I think I could be good at it now, but I had no idea what the path would be. So now it's right. I can't go switching careers. At <laughs> I'll just well, that's like where I ended up. You know, I never imagined if you would have told me I'd be working in fire protection, that would have been the furthest thing from my mind. Yeah. 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 Look at you now. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> so, um, was, uh, so what theater did you, did you, have you worked at multiple theaters or multiple companies or did you stick with one company? Where did you get your start? Yeah, I was only with one company, and really that was the longest uh, job that I had going for me. I started when I was 16, okay. um, and then was there, I think, for eight years. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then, um, you know, for me, the next step, I was following the natural progression, you know, became a manager, a senior manager, and the next step for me was to become a general manager. Mm -hmm. um, and at the time, it just wasn't something that I wanted to do. It wasn't something I was willing to move for um, or relocate or anything like that. So it just got to a point where I kind of asked myself, well, what am I doing here if I don't want to take this next step? Right. So that's kind of where I veered off in a different direction. That's the tough part, I think, in, in this industry is if you want to be a GM, unless you get really, really lucky, you generally, or you have just a ton of theaters for that company in the area, you know, the, the understanding is you're probably going to need to move. Right. And I think I moved out of, st I think I moved to five different states, you know, before I finally settled where I'm at now. And then I've been relatively lucky here. And then I've been able to be a GM of multiple theaters in the same state. But when you're starting your career, that can be very challenging. Right, right. Because there's only like so many entry level theaters in one area, you know. So, so was it your first show? Yep. First okay. job. Um I had it for about eight years, um, and you know I really enjoyed it. Though um, it 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 really helped build where I'm at today. I, awesome. I gained a lot of you know different skills and just you know different experiences that I had there. Um, and I remember you know my general manager would challenge me, and at the time you know with with any manager that you have, it's annoying and you know. It, you're always thinking of the negative side of that, but looking back on it now, it's, I, I see what I've gained from those experiences. So it's, it's nice to know that I was able to take positive out of it and, and transform, you know, put that in to my work now. 
for sure. He, you know, he might hear this just so you know. <laughs> hey, I respect him. And no, I know it's kind of like growing up and you, you know, you have those teachers that drive you bananas, but then in retrospect, you look back on your life and those are the ones that had the biggest impact on you. Exactly. You know? Or your own parents, you know, it's like, Everybody hates their parents when they're teenagers. And just for the record, if, if he's listening, nobody hates you. Uh, but, like, but like everybody like thinks they hate their parents when they're teenagers. And then you look back on it, it's like, oh, I get it. Like, I, you know, my dad like drove me batshit crazy all the time. It's like, because he was the kind of guy that always let me learn my lessons the hard way. Like mm-hmm. for real, the hard way. And I just, I used to hate him for it. And now I'm like, oh, okay. Now I do the same thing to my kids. Exactly. Well, the hard way. That's 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 how you build. You know, if it's always easy, you're not you're you're not going anywhere. Sure. You gotta learn. Gotta learn those lessons. You know, and if Mm -hmm. if someone's gonna hold your hand every step of the way, you know, I mean, I I talked about this on one of the other episodes where my first GM, I really did hate him. Like I hated him with a passion because he used to keep us till like one o'clock in the morning. And mind you, I was 15 years old at the time. Oh my god. Just to like one o'clock in the morning and have us like re-fucking decorating the scullery, you know, moving all this shit around and scrubbing baseboards and stuff. And I mean, I remember like the fury I would have as he's like barking orders at us. And I say he's barking orders, but you know, if I look back on it, he wasn't. You know, he's just trying to get <laughs> he just had standards, you know, and now I'm probably that guy. So yeah. and you know. <laughs> Ashley's told me stories about the same theater and stuff, and and I know he had he has very high expectations and certain ways of doing things. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's his building, so right. I guess get on board, or, or, or yeah, <laughs> or move yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, that's where you're working. There's the expectation, and you either want to be there or you don't. Yeah, you're getting paid, right? It's not right, like volunteering. Um, <laughs> so when you you started when you were 16, so how long were you an employee? Um, I only the two years it actually um, so while I was 17 my general manager at the time it was more of a you know we can't wait till you turn 18 so we can promote you Mm -hmm. so um, and then the theater that I was actually working for was being closed down there was a new theater being built across the street across the street that's right yeah Yeah. so once that theater opened I was able to transfer to the new theater um, and and that's where I was so that's right okay so you're you had two different gms then right i've actually had one two three i've had three okay okay so i have a theater manager right now at my new location and she and i were talking the other day and she told me she's like i've had i think she said i've had 13 different gms oh wow and i'm over here like okay well <laughs> I hope I compare well. I don't know, <laughs> but we're working in like the absolute strangest time to be working right now because right. obviously we're not operational or anything. So it's like we're just trying to get to know each other in this weird, glorified janitorial role. <laughs> so uh, when you're working as floor staff, you know, is there anything that like jumps out at you as things that you you look back on like really fondly, like fun moments you had, like that really kind of kept you working at the theater, made you like it so much? Yeah, I think, I mean, just aside from the general excitement of new movies, just because I was very fond of theater and movies in general, Mm. you know, I think that any place that you're excited or fond to work with is really about the people, you know, because work at the end of the day is work. There's always going to be things that, you know, are challenging about it, that you don't enjoy, 
you know, people hollering at you, cleaning. I mean, if you're working usher, you're sweating and touching Lord knows what in the theater. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I think it's really just the people and the bonds that you, you know, share with them and the experiences that you have. So that's, there was a lot of fun, fun, creative uh, things that we did and (laughs) exciting. (laughs) So when you, when you say creative, to me, that's a euphemism for, you know, like crazy shit or, or were you, were you like a pretty good, you know, by the rules employee? You know, I, I walked the line um, a little bit. I, I wasn't very big on going crazy beyond it. I'm, I'm one of my worst fears is being unemployed. Yeah, um, so if I was, you know, breaking a rule, um, it, it was something that I thought I wouldn't be fired over. Uh-huh. I gotcha. So, yeah, but yeah, I figured we, that about you. I figured that you probably like were the good girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is where you I, and I are probably vastly <laughs> different. And just for for anybody that's listening, like I, you know, I'm not like breaking the law or anything. But you know, we, I don't know, we fuck around a lot. But we still got the work done. I mean, that was kind of my whole thing. Is mm-hmm. like, you know, I I think the whole thing about movie theaters, like you hit the nail on the head, like it's always been about the people for me and for pretty much everybody I've talked to about this. That's the, that's the common denominator just about every single time is it always comes down to it's great because of the people. I mean, I've made some of my best friends at the theater. Um, I think you have as well. <laughs> and um, I mean, you know, I met my wife through the theater, like, um, but it's also just fun. It's a fun environment. And a lot of it is because of the people, because there's just, you're working with different people all the time. There's new blood coming in and, you know, there's always this kind of rotation and cycling of, of different personalities and things like that, that I think keep it really, really interesting. For sure. I used to think about that all the time, especially when I became a manager, just the amount of people that I've worked with and, and coached and had experiences with, like, it's a crazy number, Yeah. you know, and not everyone goes through that. Yeah. For real. Like, I mean, I think I try to, I have just such a terrible memory and I try to think back to all the people that I've come in contact with over my career, you know, and it's, I mean, it's in the thousands. I mean, just the sheer amount of people I've hired and unfortunately also had to fire, I mean, is kind of astronomical too. And it's funny because like I'll come across people sometimes that remember me, you know, and I'm like, "Uh, hey, you. you you know <laughs> yeah yeah I'm sure they used to work for me or something like that or facebook you know i get like a facebook friend request from somebody in the in the past that's that i've worked with or, or whatever but and it's kind of cool i think with social media um to be able to keep in touch a little bit better because earlier in my career you know like in the late 90s into the early 2000s like once you moved on you just moved on and yeah likely didn't keep in touch with those people anymore but now with stuff like facebook and instagram and all that you know, it's a little easier to keep in touch if you want. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I get requests sometimes where I'm like, I, you remember me? Like, I don't, we talked for like two seconds. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's a little different. I think when you're in a management position and they might've been an employee because like yeah. for the most part, you probably remember a lot of your supervisors because there's less of them, you know, but there's more employees. And so it's just kind of easier, you know, I mean, I certainly remember all my region leaders or RVPs or whatever because there's only been a handful, but employees, it's like, no offense, man, but (laughs) you start blending a little bit, especially when you start going from state to state, and I'll, like, go into 
I'll move from one state to another and then I'll see someone. I'll be like, do I No, it just looks like somebody from Louisiana or whatever, you know? Right. That's crazy. Yeah. All those different places. Yeah. I can't imagine moving that frequently obviously shows, you know, I'm not sure what your situation is, but obviously some passion for that role if you were willing to do that. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, sometimes I think at the beginning it was a sort of a, a necessity, you know, I was trying to just get my career jump started and the easiest way to do it was just to go where they pointed me, uh, where they pointed. Um, but man, it was tough. Like I remember, you know, Ashley and I talked about this a lot about you, you know, when you were first looking to move to where you are now, I remember the angst you had about making that decision, you know, and cause it's a big, big it's step. Terrifying. Yeah, it's a big step. And I, you and I are very, very different in that respect because like, I mean, when I was, so I moved, I think I was 20 when I moved to Baton Rouge for, uh, and this is the first time I really moved away from home. And I moved down to that theater to help open that new movie theater for eight twenty-five an hour. I had zero money in the bank. And in fact, I remember the first time I went to the grocery store, I floated a check just to get groceries. Oh, no. And then I remember paying my rent late. I mean, it was just crazy. Like I had zero money. And then I did that at the same thing. Like eight months later, I moved to El Paso. Again, I had no money. And I would just, I just like, roll the dice you know and i was like i mean it'll it's just it'll all work out if i gotta live no, out that's like a terrifying home. nightmare <laughs> but that's just the difference that's the difference between people sometimes it's like i've always been the kind of person that i feel like things will just kind of work out it's easier too like when you're younger i think um as you get a little older i mean now i you know i have kids and i'm married and stuff i couldn't just do that now but right but back then it was like eh, i mean if it all falls apart i'll just go couch surf you know, at a friend's house or something like that. But I was also very careless and just, yeah, just free spirit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, and, and very determined too. I mean, I think to like, you know, when you start thinking about, because at that age, I didn't have any clue what I wanted to do and moving to Baton Rouge. Um, that was kind of the first time I made that, that decision that it's like, okay, I think this is what I want to do. I think this is, this is going to be my career. It seems to kind of be going in the right direction. He, the GM asked me to come, you know? And so I was like, all right, well, let's, let's do this. And then, you know, when I became a GM, then it starts getting a little bit right. more of a tougher decision of like, okay, is this the right choice? Is that the right place to go? Is that the right theater to take over? You know, things like that. So yeah. yeah. And then <clears throat> when I started, it was just, you know, kind of that, that job in high school. Uh, but as I, you know, was moving up, it, it was really, it, it boosted my confidence a lot because like I said, I was 17 and, you know, they approached me. It wasn't like, yeah. oh, I'm going to be 18 soon. Let me apply for that management job. Right. You know, they were like, hey, you're doing great manager. Yeah. So it was like, okay, let's go. Sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And then I went over to my new theater and it was like, hey, you're three boxes away from senior whoa cool let's go you know yeah. so yeah. it was exciting a great boost in confidence yeah agreed I I was kind of like you you know they asked me like I was threading a projector one day I hadn't even I was finishing up college I again had no idea what I wanted to do the, the thought of being a manager really hadn't crossed my mind you know and I didn't even really know the process at the time. I mean I was kind of young and dumb like I just wasn't thinking much <laughs> I, was more, I was really kind of more concerned about finishing school and partying like that was just my focus and then right. I'm like threading a projector and my GM comes up and he's like hey do you want to be a manager and I was like 
sure. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. What do I have to do? Um, but like you said, it was like a big boost to confidence, you know, and it's, I was that manager at the very beginning that, you know, how like when you become a manager and everybody, all the employees are suddenly, especially like ones you were friends with, they're like, oh, you're on a power trip or whatever. Maybe you've heard that. Maybe you haven't, but I heard that and it was fucking oh, no. like, I was, I was a dick <laughs> for a while, you know, cause it was just like, you're either going to do it or you're going to not work here anymore, you know? And, uh, which is such a terrible leadership style, you know, <laughs> you, you know, you learn over the years of how to, how to adapt and how to change that leadership style to being more of a For true, sure. true leader than. than yeah, that. no, I was definitely the opposite. I was a little more, uh, nervous about that and didn't want to come off that way. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's challenging. And, and with the role that I have now, that was actually one of the questions they asked me, you know, how, how are you going to feel with, you know, with. The partners that were your peers mm -hmm. so it's it's kind of like at the end of the day you just need to find that way to do right by both both sides and yeah. and like you said with time you learn where that is yeah I mean I've read I've lost track of how many books I've read on the matter you know and <laughs> and, and I still have more to learn you know like every every time I think I might know everything about this you know what I'm doing I try to read another book about it because I don't you know but I think early on I was I was worried about perception and and favoring people and I was really trying to I, I think I was very adamant about not trying to be everybody's friend um, and I had difficulty kind of finding that balance early on of like how can you manage to be really being friendly, but not friends as a manager, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, obviously early on with this company, it, you were, you weren't allowed to be friends with the employees. Now things have changed. Um, yeah. <laughs> which I think causes problems. I think on one hand, I think it's probably a good change because I don't have to fire as many people for doing shit that they're not supposed to do. But on the other, because they're going to do it anyway, I think. Right, you know, right. If they want but then it's it. like, what's the result at the workplace? It was funny because I remember that rule and I was one of the employees who like, I hated it. And yeah. when I had first become a manager, it would frustrate me to no end. Mm -hmm. um, but now I look at, you know, where, where I work now and I, I wish that that was a rule. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, how do I, you know, I don't want, I want to have a great relationship with everyone I work with, but I, I don't want to be your friend. I think it's, it's, there's a line, it's, there's a fine line, friends mm -hmm. at work and, and, mm -hmm. you know, I, so I try to keep that separate. So yeah, for sure. And you know, I still struggle with it sometimes, like, especially at my last location, I got to be very close to my management team. And, um, and there's days when I had to put myself in check and remember, it's like, I'm their boss, like, because you, you know, you, you, you like hear them talking and stuff like that. And you want to join in and you have to remember, it's like, nah, they're friends. You were mm -hmm. friendly, you know, and I would consider myself friends with them now that they're not mine, that I'm not their right. boss anymore or anything like that. But it's just, I think it's a hard balancing act. And I do think that that change in rules um, can be an issue because I do, I see people who just can't seem to find that, that balance. And it's yep. unfortunate because then it it does create problems and it ultimately creates problems that are even more difficult to solve than had that rule been in place and you can simply just be like, well, you can't work here anymore because I know you're hanging out with them outside of work. Now right. you have a bigger problem that's more of an HR, like a very, like an egregious HR situation, you know, and I just, or, or there's just that, that perception from other employees that clearly someone's favoring someone because of friends or, 
Exactly. Right? Avoiding holding them accountable or, or sometimes worse. Sometimes they're doing like they're actually doing favors for employees, you know, and using their quote unquote power to make that kind of stuff happen. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. No. And that's why I, I can be unfavorable at times as someone's manager. Cause I've just, just to, to keep out that favoritism aspect, I'm very by the book. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if this is what the rule is, it's for all of you. If we can have a great chat on the side, great. If mm -hmm. you don't want to be that person with me, that's fine. Um, but try to help eliminate, you know, that, and maybe even just that perception yeah, I, I, that's the easiest way. I mean, you just said it is if you're by the book, you know, it's like, it's sort of like lying or not lying. It's like, well, you never have to worry about it. If you tell the truth all the time, you never exactly. have to worry about what your story is. It's the same thing. If you're by the book with everybody and you're consistent with everybody, you don't have to worry about it. You know, it's like, oh, did I, okay, what did I tell that person versus where did I tell this person? I got to make sure that person doesn't find out that I let them slide on that, you know, or, or anything like that. And so it's like, look. You're not allowed to drink out of a courtesy cup. I tell that to everybody. You're not allowed to be on your cell phone. That's everybody. It's not like, okay, you're allowed to be on your cell phone, but you can't or whatever it is, you know? And right. I, I think that's really important. I've been criticized for it, but at the end of the day, it's sort of like what we said at the beginning of this, um, where people might hate you for it for a while, you know, but then when they move on to something else, they realize, oh, okay, well, they're just, they just have standards they're enforcing. They just have rules they're enforcing. But unfortunately, I think sometimes those perspectives come too late. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know how much you've experienced this, but I've had over the years, I've had a lot of employees who they decide to bounce because they're like, fuck this place. You all suck. You guys are terrible managers. Nah, 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 nah. And then they move on. They go to some other workplace and then they realize they're like, oh, you guys are actually pretty understanding. You guys are actually pretty <laughs> flexible. You guys just had standards and you're just enforcing it. And then, and then they try to come back and it's like, hey, you remember when we told you if you give two weeks, we could probably rehire you, but you didn't do that. You bounced and you said some pretty nasty stuff about us. So Exactly. You got emotional and there you go. Sorry. Yeah. It's like, don't burn your bridges, right? Yeah. Well, and I think with the theater too, you know, obviously it's a lot younger um, of an employee base. Yeah. So it's, it's easier to understand why that would happen, but you know, live and learn. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that comes down to as well. And I've talked about this before. Um, you know, the whole idea of, you know, raising young people, it takes a village, like that whole cliche. Yeah. And part of that village. And again, sometimes they just, they learn it just, just slightly too late because we're the ones teaching them. And it's mm -hmm. like, well, I mean, I guess I taught you that lesson for you to go use that lesson somewhere else, <laughs> which sucks because sometimes you've just seen people that are inherently pretty good, but they just make that, they make that mistake. Oh, it's so rough when I see someone with, with the potential and, and know that they have the, the skills and, and, you know, everything that they need to be successful. And it's just that one thing that, you know, maybe an attitude check or, you know, just an experience they didn't get. And it's like, ah, we could just correct that one thing. <laughs> You'd be like the perfect employee. Right. I have a tendency to be, I'm a little opposite of what I started as, as a, as a manager. And so um, I have a propensity to be a lot more lenient than I ever used to be earlier in my career. And I'm a big believer in giving people second chances, sometimes even third chances, sometimes more than I probably should. Like, this is something that I gain a lot of criticism from, from like managers for me because they're like, why are you, why are they still here? 
And sometimes I look back on it, it's like, yeah, I probably should have cut them loose earlier. But I've had more success with giving someone a chance and continuing to try to keep coaching them because I can see in them, I see the, the potential in them. I can see if we could just turn that part of them around. And I've had success with that. Yeah. But there have been those times when it has <laughs> bit me in the ass and I'm just like, God damn it. And, and it makes me angry too, because it's like, I just want to like shake that person be like, right. You know how you made me look like, <laughs> I, so I tried so hard. so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've had people yeah. come back and, and tell me like apologize to me. Like not that long ago, there was this guy, he was an usher and by his own admission, he was a terrible usher. And uh, we, we actually never cut him loose, but he, he was damn close and he ended up transferring to another location. And we were even up front with that other location. He went out to California. <laughs> and then I think it was, he was gone for like a year and a half, two years or whatever. And then one day I was like walking out the door out of my building and he was driving by. He's like, hey, Mr. Fry. And I was like, you. Uh. <laughs> you. And, then, and then I remember the thing. And I was like, hey man, how's it going? And then we caught up for a little bit and I could clearly tell right away he had matured just over those last because that's the thing too is like some of these kids are so young they're 16 years old and it doesn't take very long for them to really grow up and so just in that year and a half or two years I could clearly see a huge change in him so he was like well hey I'm coming in can we catch up for a minute I was like yeah sure so I catch up with him in the lobby and in like the first three minutes he must have apologized like four or five times He's like, man, I just, I know you gave me so many chances and I know I just really didn't appreciate it. And, you know, I was just such a shitty employee. And I was like, bro, it's, it's okay. <laughs> but it means a lot. Like, it's like, right. it's okay, but I really appreciate you saying that, you know, right. it's just nice for, you know, it's nice when you see them see the light. You know? For sure. But I think it's good too, you know, to not just let people go at that first, you know, fault. Yeah. Um, you know, if you just are constantly having those negative emotions or letting people go, you have that high turnover. Not only are you affected by that one employee, that's going to cause a ripple effect. It's just going to create a bad environment. Yeah. Well, it can go two ways. It could go both ways, though, because keeping keeping someone who's cancerous on has that. Well, yeah. Well. And and that's the problem that I I tend to let myself get into is that I let somebody stick around that has no business. Just a little too long. Yeah. Then that's, you know, when you hear employees being like, fuck you doing, man, letting this person stick around. <laughs> and you're like, I know, I know, you know, but I also try to be really, really careful about, um, you know, with performance management of properly documenting and just make, making sure that I've done my due diligence, done what I'm supposed to do as far as holding them accountable before I really pull the trigger on right. letting them go. Because I don't want to, I certainly don't want to put the company in a bad position. I don't want to put myself in a bad position. Um, and again, it kind of goes back to that balance, I think, of, of uh, finding where the, the opportune moment is. So, For sure. Yeah. The never ending so, challenge. It certainly is. Um, so you became a manager and as a manager, so the whole point of this podcast usually is, uh, <laughs> is really customer service, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously you're, you're, um, perception of customer service or your, your, um, um, sort of looking for, yeah, I guess perception of the customer service situations changes when you go from being an employee to being a manager, right? For sure. Yeah. Cause a little bit as an employee, <laughs> you can, to a degree be like, I mean, it ain't my problem. 
I mean, right, you right. Know, you want I'll go grab the manager for you. Right, right. I mean, hopefully not all the employees, a lot of employees, you know, at least in my company are trained to say, well, what can I do for you? I have the power right. to help you, but you know how, you know how it is sometimes it's like you're getting yelled at by someone for something you didn't do. And you're like, I'm happy to go get somebody above me. <laughs> but now you have become that person that they have to go get. So have you, are there any of those uh, situations that jump out at you that have stuck with you over the years that you encountered? Oh my goodness. Um, Probably too many to count. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, working at the movie theater, I, it's, it's amazing when I talk to people sometimes, I'll tell them stories and they're like, but you worked at a movie theater. Right? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, shit, you wouldn't think so. Like all the things <laughs> that I've experienced. Yeah. Um, I mean, as an employee, I feel like I'm somebody, uh, just my personality type, you know, I like to accept a challenge, you know, I, I feel good about helping people. So I would definitely, you know, try to do that. But I obviously became a manager too. I mean, like I said, right as I turned 18. So I only had so much experience with customer service, you mm -hmm. know, in those short two years that I was working. Um, which I mean, it's also during those two years, it's not like it was a full work week. So it was limited mm -hmm. experience. But yeah, those uh, <clears throat> customer service is, is a crazy world. Um, there are, are so many different sides and views and, and things that you need to understand or let go or whatnot to, to survive that life. <laughs> yeah. Have you, ever had a, have you ever had a customer make you cry? Um, I get, I, I will say I've never cried in front of a customer. Yeah. I, I have had people make me cry before. Um, but I, you know, ran away to a, some stock room or storage cry room, room to, to have my, yeah, the cry room. <laughs> I have a friend who, who runs a theater down in Texas and he literally has a sign on a, on a door of a, of a stock room that just says cry room. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's hilarious. And also really sad. I know. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I yeah, wish I customers actually knew the impact that they can have on someone. Like I had a, a girl on here, Alicia. Um, she was on an earlier episode a while back, and the and she's not the only one I've talked to about this. But the level of anxiety that that some of these customers can cause in people is really high, and you just kind of wish it's like I just wish you knew this right. impact that your little outburst could have on people. Right. And for me, it's like those cry moments are when, you know, they, they make it personal, you know, so we're away from the situation. We're away from whatever you're upset about or fake upset about or whatever, yeah. you know, but like there are people who have called me racist and, you know, I've had yeah. to been walked out by the police before afraid of being attacked. You know, yeah. it's that stuff where it's like, I, in what world? At a movie theater, especially, did it have to reach that level? Mm -hmm. It's so, and it, how it can escalate, yeah. Yes, and it gets hard too because it's like during those situations, I have to remember, you know, okay, I'm Heather, the manager at the movie theater. I'm not Heather in the world uh -huh. who would handle the situation in whatever way I see fit. Right. For me as a person, right, I right. Think about the company and who I'm representing, and yeah. so and I get really different. Yes. Yeah. Those are the situations that make me want to cry where it's like, I feel like I can't say my piece or stick up for myself yeah. and you're going to come at me like that yeah. and I'm limited. Yes. I do think that's the, that's the tough spot that we can be put in because yes, you have a responsibility as a representative of the company to resolve this issue, regardless of how the guest is acting to a degree. Now, look, I mean, obviously you only have to withstand so much, but even 
even that degree of what you're supposed to withstand is sometimes a little too much for some people. And, and it's like, you do want to, you, you do have this overwhelming, or at least I do have this overwhelming desire to want to stick up for yourself and be like, Hey, don't talk to me like that ass face. Like you can't right. tell somebody that. You know? Exactly. <laughs> you know? again, well, you could, you know, but where, what happens after that? Exactly. Is, uh... <laughs> you know, I mean, you could roll the dice because I have known people, um, who have, have said similar thing, not that exact thing, but they have said stuff like that where it's like, fucking talk to me like that. And then the guests right. go back down, you know? Well, I definitely would get to a point where, I mean, if someone was shouting at me or swearing at me, I would yeah. say, I can't speak to you if you're, if that's how yes. this is going to go. Yeah, yeah. And if they continue, I straight up walk away. I'm, I'm not going to be put in that position. There is, there is a line, you know, you're, sure. nobody deserves that sort of, you know, abuse and, and, right. I think that the company would back you on that if you were handling it in a professional manner. Absolutely. Yeah. It just has to be professional. But if you tell right. somebody, don't fucking talk to me like that. And then yeah, no, that's good luck. That. <laughs> uh, then yeah, you're going to get in some hot water, but, uh, but yeah, absolutely. I agree that you, there is only so much. And then eventually you have to be like, look, I am happy to help you, but you, you just can't, you can't talk to me like that. We can be professional. Yeah. We can calm down, you know, but you know how it is. Like every time the, the contact us comes through, you know, it, it becomes so much less about the actual situation that caused them to be upset. And then it becomes about like, well, you were rude. It's like, no, I wasn't rude. You're screaming at me. I told you to calm down. <laughs> you know? Right. That's not right. rude. That's just me telling you to like, relax. Yeah. But and it sucks. It says more about them, you know, and I think that's why we have the Karens, so to speak, in the world is it's at the end of the day, it's not about you. It's about them. Yeah. They did something wrong. They did something to make themselves look stupid or feel uncomfortable. And, you know, they're just on attack mode at that point. Yeah. And it's, it's sometimes just whatever's going on in their life, you know, and I, again, I've talked about this before, too, where like, you don't. This is why empathy is so important, I think, when you're trying to resolve a concern is that you just don't know what they might be dealing with. And to a degree, it's like you shouldn't have to care, but here we are. You do, you know, mm -hmm. and so just trying to be a little bit more understanding. I mean, I've, I've, I've even asked, hey, is there something else going on? You know, like I want to help. So, but I mean, I'm not somebody's fucking counselor either right. but at the same time like i can i can try to be empathetic to their life situation or but and i've had people tell me you know it's like look i just found out i'm sick and i just let things get to me or whatever it's like i get it okay well, let's work this out together don't yell right. at me i'm not gonna exactly. yell exactly we can get through this and i've had people call like calm once they've calmed down they've even apologized and be like dude i'm sorry i was being an asshole it's like don't worry about it man it's cool you know like i had a guy who it was a few years ago. He was super, super pissed about our alcohol policy, right? And um, I don't remember the exact detail of what it was, but once we've denied you service, you're done. Like we, even if you're able to produce whatever it was, you know, like if if he didn't have his ID, um, once we've denied you, you're done. Like we can't override the employee. And so, like I think this guy was finally able to produce his his ID or whatever. I'm like, look, we we still can't serve you. And he was super mad. And I remember we were sitting in my lounge and he was like basically lecturing me and going on and on and on and on and on. He was being a total dick. He finally got to a point. I was like, I was like, you got some time? He goes, yeah, my movie doesn't start for like 40 minutes. I was like, come on. And so like we went across the way to Bar Louie and I just bought him a beer and we just talked for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, all right. He was like, this is pretty cool. He's like, I'm sorry I was such a dick. It's like, it's cool, man. I just can't, couldn't serve you over there. This is just me. 
you know, right. your beard. Like, don't worry about it. Just you just gotta remember, you know. And so, if you can de-escalate a situation, I suppose, be creative. You know, for sure. Yeah, you gotta think outside of the box sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I think no. sometimes people get so stuck on, you know, just employees in general get so stuck on what they can't do. You know, you need to shift the focus to what you can do. Get a, get away from the can't. We're all yeah. we're all there with the can't. We got that. Yeah. What can we do? That's a really good point that you make because my my last boss, um, he that was his whole thing all the time. He was always like, I don't ever want to hear anybody say can't. Don't ever say I can't do that. Just figure out what you can do, even if it's not even related to that. It's like, well, I could let's go do this. You know, I can go do this or whatever. But just exactly like you just said, stop focusing on the can't. I think is yeah. a really, really important thing, but it's so hard to ingrain into younger employees, you know, people who've just yeah. started out that are so caught up in, in the fairness of things, I think, you know, mm. they don't want to feel like they're being taken advantage of or whatever. And it's like, man, you got to just let that go. Did you rather get yelled at? Right. You know? Right. Well, that was challenging because, you know, one of the standard responses you know that's our policy you know uh -huh. but you have to first of all you have to accept that when you when you signed up to work here you're accepting that policy you have to you have to stand by it but at the same time a policy is not a legal like set in stone whatever you know what what maybe the customer has a valid point and mm -hmm. and you now have something to challenge the policy with or mm -hmm. you know talk to someone about why is it there why does it exist so mm -hmm it's but it's it's hard to get away from that and you know emotions are running high and you know it's like when you get mad and you're like i'm gonna go talk to someone and you've got this whole thing planned out and then you walk in and you say absolutely none of it yep. <laughs> that's what that's what those situations are so it's really just kind of working to slowly train yourself to you know for me because how do you train for that right train yourself to to be better in those situations i think really it's just I watch every negative experience that my leadership and how they handle it. And it's really just building off of that with who you are and what your style is. Yeah. 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 And I, as, as a leader or the leader in any, any of my buildings, I always try to think about, okay, what example am I setting, you know, for my people? And sometimes I fail, you know, like I make mistakes. And, and so a lot of times I'll, I'll, after a bad experience, uh, or if I handle something poorly, um, especially if people were watching, you know, I'll reflect on it and be like, okay, what must've been their perception of how I handled that? And what could I have done better so that they don't do the same thing that I just fucking did. And I'm <laughs> look, I'm really honest and upfront with my people too. Like if there were other if there were managers or other employees around when I dealt with something poorly, I'll talk to them about it. And I'll be like, look, obviously I didn't handle that great, you know, and let's talk, you know, I literally talk to them about what do you guys think I could have done differently? What would you, oh, for sure. you know, and I don't know, in my mind, that's hopefully a sign of a good leader is someone who can just kind of be humble about a situation and admit their mistakes and, and get feedback from the people that work for them, you know? And I think when they have some buy-in and some impact, then they take it a little bit more seriously and they're like, wow, I just got to like help my own boss you know, do something better. And then they like can take some pride in that too. Oh, 100%. I always ask um, my employees, you know, Hey, what do you think? Or what's, what's, what would you do? You know, it's, I'm not perfect. And every, everyone has a different experience and a different way of handling things. And that's, what's great about, you know, just the world in general is having all those different 
personalities. Yeah, for sure. It's a tough thing to do though, because yeah, it's embarrassing yeah. sometimes. <laughs> like I'm serious. Like I've just had those moments where I'm like, oh shit, I just look so bad right there, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. But it is what it is. You'll know when I'm stopping myself from that moment because I just get very quiet. Like mm -hmm. when I'm guarding, I like I'm just like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. I'm like, if I open my mouth right now, I'm gonna get fired. It's gonna be so bad, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been very, very lucky in the sense that, you know, I, I sometimes when I have really tough customer experiences, you know, if I'm really being laid into it, I get a, like a visceral reaction inside, like deep inside. And I'll, I'll get very, very angry. And, uh, and I have been so lucky that I've been able to just like push it down <laughs> in the moment, you know, like 99.9% yeah. .9 of the time I've been able to do that. Um, and then I just unleash it out in the compactor area or, or yeah. whatever after the fact but man like if I didn't have more self-control sometimes I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking right now <laughs> so um I do fun. like internally just start shaking yeah. and again it's that anger of just not being able to 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 voice not even always like an outburst like there's just yeah. certain times like even if I were to speak calm or professional there's just certain things you can't say yeah, yeah. and it's it's hard, but kind of like you said, I just go find the cry room at that point. Yeah. I mean, like, there's just been times when I just want to tell, like, ask a customer, it's like, like, what's wrong with you right now? <laughs> like, why are you, why are you having this reaction to, I don't know, your pop? I had this lady once. I will never forget her. <laughs> I actually think of her every once in a while. I just, she's very present in my, in my mind. But I had, it was at Theater 13, which is our largest theater. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what movie it was, but it was a kid's movie. And it was a sold out, you know, had just opened that weekend show. And I was usher manager that day. And I got the walkie, you know, hey, uh, we need you at Theater 13 right now. Like, this woman's freaking out. So I'm like, all right, you know, <clears throat> getting ready to walk into who knows what. You know, so I thought, I didn't, you know, freaking out, whatever. Parents are usually mad. They can't sit together you know, no, this woman was freaking out. She was yelling. I don't know that I've ever heard someone yell so loud, yelling at the top of her lungs in the theater. The previews have started. I'm trying to get her out. I can't get her to leave, but I at least got her to the hallway. Uh -huh. So I'm like trying to understand what the situation is because she's yelling. Yeah. Her daughter is standing there. And all I could think of was this poor girl. Like what, what? So I finally find out what's going on she the handicap seats were taken uh, she came late had to go up four rows whatever she was upset about it why is it that every time she comes she can't get a handicap seat so i kind of explain our process of seating and you know how we try to keep those seats available for people who who have a handicap or need it um but that's also challenging because you know how do you walk up to someone you you can't you don't know who is and who isn't right you know so but, you know, one of the questions I asked her was, you know, who did you talk to? Like, obviously, there's a coaching opportunity somewhere for me. Right. She didn't talk to nobody. So then she proceeds to yell at me. She's got a metal rod in her back. So she's upset that I didn't know that. And she just keeps going on and on about how I should have known. I, what do I do at that point? Like, I don't have x-ray vision. Right. What the fuck? <laughs> Mind reader, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, so now I'm, you know, back to that whole, well, I can't do this. Let's focus on what I can do. So I'm presenting all of these options for her. No, no, no. 
she goes to sit her four rows up wherever she was and proceeds to watch her movie. Uh, what the whole point of it was, I don't know. She didn't, I, I, I tried to help her. She, I don't know what she wanted. She wouldn't let me help her and was just mad because I didn't know she had a metal rod in her back. I wonder if the, I mean, because four rows up from the handicap row isn't that big of a different viewing experience. No, yeah, so I, I don't. I up the stairs was a problem for her or that's so strange, you know? It's like, well, maybe if you'd stop screaming, I could better understand. Yes, <laughs> and I'm not was. kidding. I'm talking like screaming, like I've never had such a crazy experience. I, I was so baffled. Like it, it was almost kind of a moment of, holy shit, do I need to call 911? Mm -hmm. Like what is happening? Mm -hmm. You know, and then I finally got the story out of her. So uh, that, yeah, I that, that was rough. Cause it's like, I, I don't, first of all, don't understand what was the point of that? I, I yeah. tried to help you and then you didn't want it. So yeah. what were you trying to gain there? And that's why she's called a Karen. Exactly. <laughs> well, hey, we just, uh, we just went through just about an hour. Oh my goodness. It flew by, right? Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I feel like there's, there's more to talk about. So we should try to do this again sometime. Oh, for sure. This is exciting. Thanks for having me. You bet, man. Thanks for coming on. So, um, till next time, um, we'll talk later, okay? Ooh. All right. Thanks, Heather. <laughs> Thanks. All right. We'll talk later. <laughs> Bye. That's the podcast, folks. If you're a fan of Karen Isn't Always Right, you can show your support in two ways. First, please share with your friends and get them listening. Also, please feel free to donate by going to anchor.fm forward slash chris-fry, that's F-R-E-Y, forward slash support. Please visit kairpodcast.com, K-I-A-R podcast.com, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. New episodes are posted weekly on kairpodcast.com, anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple, and pretty much wherever you can listen to a podcast. The views and opinions on this podcast are solely that of the guest and the host and are not representative of any organizations or individuals. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.